We are working on series 10 of the Lennon Courtney podcast right now, but while you're waiting, why not take a listen to one of our favourite conversations from series 9. In The Thinking Woman's Guide to Stalking, we talked about the sliding scale of stalking, particularly online. The same technology that is meant to make our lives easier can now also be used against us and potentially put us in harm's way. In this episode, we looked at ways to keep us and our loved ones safe. If you've been affected by anything in this episode, you can call Women's Aid 24-hour National Free Helpline on 1-800-341-900 or chat at 2intoyou.ie for information and support. One of the stats that they came up with was that 55% of convicted stalkers go on to re-offend compared to 29% among all other offenders. What happens in the law now, and it's going to be setting precedence, somebody gets a conviction of whatever that may be, however many years, and he's 55% likely, or she, to re-offend. Wow. I'm Sonia Lennon. And I'm Brendan Courtney. And you're listening to the Lennon Courtney podcast. This week, we're talking about the sliding scale of online stalking. We've all Googled someone we've just met, but online stalking is a far more serious matter. This is the Thinking Woman's Guide to Stalking. So, I want to talk about stalking. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's, that's well, this episode was your idea. I, what? And it's. And now you can't remember why can't. you came up with I absolutely that. can, because I didn't realise that people before they go on dates or I've been in a situation where I meet somebody and they, they're, while they're talking to you, they're stalking you on their phone. They're, and how it's happened is because we both, we, congratulations on your blue tick. Sonia's been verified. <laughs> oh but my God. Teenagers can't help themselves. So I was on a holiday recently and they're all sitting around the table, this, this lovely English family, really nice people. And their eldest who's 19 is on her phone and she's looking at me and next of all she goes, are you on Instagram? And I said, yeah. And what's your name? And I give her my name. And next of all she goes, oh, and she, I was like, oh, she's looking at me. She was like, have you a blue tick? And I thought, it's really funny. Right in front of me, she's Googling me, right? Funny. So, so, and I'd heard of people who do that before they go on a date. They have a little stalk. So what I use Instagram stories for is if I'm looking to contact you or you, I'll, go, I'll have a look at your story and I'll get a sense of where you are. You could be on holiday or whatever, you know. So it's going, that's, a, that's a level or a, that's a tiny, delicate way of stalking people, right? You're not ringing them. Saying, so where does research finish and stalking begin? Well, that's exactly it, right? So that's exactly it. So we go home now. No, no. But <laughs> friends of mine who've gone on dates have stalked the person's social media before they've met them. So they have an opinion. I would say that's a bad idea. Well, if I was going on to a meeting with a new client or something like that, I would have a little look. Have, I'd have a look at their LinkedIn profile. I'd see where they'd worked before. Where are the commonalities? Where are that's th- research? That's research, right? Yeah. So, is there a line between research for business or and then private private stuff? You know, people stalk because I think if you so say we we're, we're going on a date and you looked up something and you stumbled across a picture of me in drag or me falling down a hole or something that you don't understand the context of, you have a judgment straight away. Totally right. So. That's one part of the story that we're going to talk about. The other part is, I think you had a stalker, didn't you? I've had two. I have had... I've had two <laughs> I, will, I will remind the audience it's not a competition. But yes, I have had <laughs> one stalker. <laughs> yeah, I had one stalker a long time ago. Um, and it was terrifying. And I, I think it is... Um, 
what comes up in a lot of the research is, uh, you know, w- what is stalking and whether it is, there is a perception that it's an external thing, that somebody's watching you, but it it can be, it can be within your own home as well, this kind of, <laughs> yeah, like... Fine. So if somebody is, you know, it's very linked to coercive control, that they're managing you through technology. So one of the stats um, that you uh, shared, Esther, was that 41% of victims of domestic abuse have said that there's a technological element to it. What does that mean? It means that it could be tracking, it could be following online, it could be, uh, you know, piggybacking on your own social media so usage. I, I'm getting a visual that you are maybe talking about somebody who's in an abusive relationship who's being coercively controlled. Yes. Is that the same as talking? Well, they're they're citing it. They're citing it as being a related issue. And so, if you and think it's a tracking, it is a tracking. Yeah, yeah. it's sort of a a, um, a manipulation to to manage control. Gotcha. Using technology, and it is effectively stalking because they're following your every move. Um, and I think you know the the bill is about to be enacted to cover uh, non. What is it called? Non. It is from Safe Ireland and... Well, no, the, the legal bill that, that Helen McEntee brought, the non-fatal oh, yeah. offences against the person, covers stalking um, as, as a crime. And that's, that's through almost through all the phases of legislation now and it's going to be enacted in the autumn. Yeah. That's going to make a big difference. Yeah. Go back a second, because there was good old-fashioned stalking which involved pretty basic... But it is terrifying though, isn't it? Like this, I remember when this bill was being enacted, there was a few interviews with Helen McEntee on various radio stations around the country and young women talking about their experience of talking. Oh my God, like it's... It's horrendous. It's horrendous, right? I suppose so there's, so there's a number of different variations of what we're talking about. So let's start with our experience of it. And I, I think it's probably safe to say that both of our experiences are in the physical world yeah. mostly, right? So mine was, I was very, very young and, and green and I was living in Paris and at the time I was teaching English as a foreign language and it was very weird setup. I, it was over the phone, right? And there was a set of, less, there was a lesson plan and the how to teach the lesson. So kind of train the trainer manual and then the lesson plan. And people could, um, it was a tax relief system that the French government had put in place that you got 50% tax back if you taught your employees uh, another language, mm-hmm. Right. So it was all done through the companies that people worked for and they could either have a once a week lesson plan, twice a week, five times a week, whatever. This guy chose five days a week, Monday to Friday, lesson plan. And he took the last slot, which was 6 p.m., right? And what would happen invariably, and when I, I was only thinking about this as I was about to tell this story this morning, he, I would ring his house because he'd, he'd say, you know, I want to take the last slot. I want to do it for my home. Um, I'd ring his house. His wife would pick up the phone and she would say, oh, he's not home yet. And I said, OK. And this went on for a while. And then he suggested that I leave my number so he would ring me back. Right. And he said, look, I'm never I'm never going to be able to make it in by six. Let me let me take your number and then I'll ring you when I get home. Naively, I thought, sure. Well, why wouldn't I do that? And so every day we'd have this lesson and it was increasingly becoming a bit, my wife doesn't understand me, you know, and like very weird to me that that was, if indeed it was his wife who answered the phone, you know, that she was okay with this as well, that for an hour each evening from sort of 6.30 to 7.30, he'd be on the phone to me. Anyway, one day 
I was out uh, frolicking in a fountain in Saint-Sulpice in Paris with my good friend Donna, having a grand old time with sun shining, Parisian summer. And I thought, you know what, I couldn't be arsed going back now to, to phone this fella for six o'clock. I'll phone him from a public phone. And if he's not in, he's not in. We'll leave it at that. Right. So that's what I did. And the next day I rang him. And for the first time in months, he was home at six. Right. And he, he said, uh, where were you yesterday? And I said, oh, I was out. So I had to ring you from somebody else's phone. I'm really sorry. You know, I, I couldn't make it back to the house on time. He said, well, it's not good enough. And I said, excuse me. He said, well, I went to your house and you weren't there. Oh, dun, dun, dun. and I was like, Ugh! got this total and. Because France had Minitel and all your kind of information was in the public domain, like your address and stuff like that through your records. And I remember getting such a panicky fright and rang my boss in the language school the next day. And uh, I said, oh, my God, I'm terrified. He came to my house. He was stalking me. He's he's I think he's obsessed. And she said, Buh. <laughs> she's French she's just curious just meet him meet him somewhere he just wants to see you and I'm like no I don't want to meet him and that was it that was it I said okay I'm, I'm handing him back I don't want him as a client anymore and that was the end of that that was the end of that and he stopped ringing well yeah I mean he wasn't on my roster anymore but it was it was just such a m- moment you know and you think you're kind of just being you know accommodating to somebody and, and before you know it you've kind of let somebody in through a portal into into your world. So and that was nothing, right? But it really it really made me think about it, you know? Yeah. What was yours? Just somebody would turn up everywhere I was. This woman would turn up everywhere I was. And of course I just don't join the dots, as you know. And uh it was very, I mean, it, it, the, the difference between a man and a woman, a man being stopped by a woman, I never felt unsafe or threatened. So did it feel benign what she was doing? Or was, it was there... a little bit annoying, but... But not malicious no, or... No, it was, I, honestly, it was sweet and a bit misguided because I think I was very obviously a homosexual. Still are, in fact. I was, a, I was an aerobics teacher <laughs> in like head to toe. Lycra. Lycra, you know. Jumping around to J-Lo. <laughs> I was just like, really? And um, yeah, she just broke down one day and told me she was in love with me. And I was like, okay, do you want me to smell the cappuccino for you? Or, you, you know, do you get it that I'm gay? She said, I don't mind. <laughs> but That's but with that, well, that was for about two years. I, I just didn't notice. That's It's really interesting it's like, though, isn't it? Free social media. So she... Hey, that's odd. That would be, have to be really relentless, like watching you leave your flat or whatever. No, basically where I thought she would come to and she would time it so she'd be on the bus at the same time as me and she would time it so that she'd be, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't know. Maybe stalking's too strong. She was just putting herself in my vision. But that does sound like stalking, stalking. But then you kind of think about, well, you know, stalking then well, is because, actually a gendered issue because you've been stalked by a woman, woman Feels different, perhaps. I, no, but I was stalked by a man, and that was terrifying. Okay, go on. So, Tell us more. Yeah, that was awful. So, and this is even this is creepy. And so, I one of the first people I dated when I came out was this very nice older guy. Not when he was only probably thirty two or something, but I was twenty one, and he was actually a captain in the Irish Army. He was very handsome, 
And Big shout out to He was actually yeah, sorry, When you think about it He smuggled me into the barracks one night And everything oh, hello. So, so, hello So Vodka in seven, 1970s isn't it But yeah And um, I can't even remember Sounds like name. letter to Brezhnev Can't even remember his name actually Would you believe And actually I bumped into <laughs> Funny enough I bumped into him about three years ago And he was like You know Small finger and mouth Going oh my god I was so into you you were so, he had, you know, when they, he was like, you were so good looking when you were younger. I was like, hmm? And he was like, how did you deal with that? I was like, what? He said, getting older. I was like, thanks. Man. Like he actually said, That's what happened funny. to you? But anyway, not him. It wasn't him. His ex. So his ex was a very handsome guy who was kind of around on the scene. Yeah, the type. Who had, who <laughs> high, no, who was older than me as well. Who every time I was in Beauty's Cafe, we'd sit, do you remember the old woman who used to yeah. manage, what was her name? Oh, not, cream buns. Not vinegar tits, but we used to call her vinegar tits. <laughs> but uh, she had a name like Shelley or Benson or something. This horrible, grumpy old woman. Remember upstairs on the yeah. mezzanine? The, yeah. We used to drink coffee in the mezzanine. Which Answers is, on a postcard. And uh, myself and Alan were there. And I noticed that he would be sitting there, the boy ex-boyfriend, staring at me. And I, I didn't know he was the guy I was seeing his ex-boyfriend. I didn't know who he was. And he was just a very handsome guy, constantly staring at me. And he would, and then I'd be, and then we'd be out for a drink on Friday and I'd look across and there he'd be again. So I thought, I was, you know, small scene. I thought this guy fancies me and he wants, he wants to hit on me. And then I was out. Always wanted to take a positive. Well, I just, I I would never assume someone fancies me, but he was staring at me all the time. Yeah. Follow me across the room, follow me back across the room. I couldn't but see it. And it was that mezzanine is tiny scene. And then it went on for about four weeks. Every weekend he'd be there. And I was like, what's going on? And then I was like, maybe, anyway. And one night I was out with the guy I was dating and he went, oh my God, you're such and such. As and I was, he was like, I said, that guy's been following me. And he was like, you're joking. And I was like, no, I'm not joking. He said, well, I ended really badly with him and he probably wants you dead. I was like, really? So I, I went over to the guy. I never forget, it was the Parliament pub. It's now called the Turks Head Chop House. And I said, well, hi. And he was like, mm, What? It was really rude. So I was like, all oh, right, he doesn't fancy me. Are you following me? And he was like, I'm just, I want to see what he, X, whatever man finds attractive about you. Ugh. And I don't get it myself. I said, well, you're having a good, like, it was really weird. And, he, and after that, I was like, oh my God, you're weird. Mental. So yeah, that's like a scene from a movie, isn't it? Did it stop after that? Yeah. That's yeah. interesting. And though, then he kind of. Facing up. I faced up to him, but then he kind of was around my social circle a bit. So I hated him, obviously. So horrible man. Um, I still see him. <laughs> no, but it's not. It's not a. It's no, it's not a laughing a, matter. No, no, no. So that's no, the real. That's no. the physical side of it. But what I was, I'm more interested in the in generationally the way it's acceptable for you with young people who are probably using the internet or grown up with with Instagram as part of their lives much more find it much more acceptable to online stalk someone. Mm-hmm. That's what I find fascinating. So I've been in situations with say younger women who've gone. Oh, that one. Have you seen her, you know, have you seen her Instagram or have you seen her social media where they have a comment about it, which is much more acceptable, where we wouldn't necessarily dive into stalking somebody unless it was for research. You're going to in- so, for example, if I'm going to interview somebody, I always think it's very polite to go and find their Instagram and follow them before the end. So it mm-hmm. means that you've, you're, it's a little... Social I, protocol. I had a little look at you and we're following each other now, which is always quite yeah. polite. I think it's a polite thing to do, right? It shows that you made an effort, really. I'm really interested about other it's, it's people. It's kind of the modern equivalent of polishing your shoes, really, isn't it? So you drew our attention to um, a couple of cases in the UK. 
Yeah, there was. Landmark case. Longest ever sentence given to a stalker. Nine years <gasps> for um, uh, habitual and multiple stalking incidents with women in the UK. But what I thought was really interesting about that, there's a particular foundation, if anybody wants to know more, the Susie Lamplug Trust mm. um, in the UK are dedicated to providing support supports for victims of stalking. And one of the stats that they came up with was that 55% of convicted stalkers go on to reoffend compared to 29% among all other offenders. So, you know, it begs the question, our bill is coming into legislation and into enactment in the autumn, which is presumably very soon. You're, what happens in the law now and it's going to be setting precedence. Somebody gets a conviction of whatever that may be, however many years. And, you know, he's 55% likely, or she, to reoffend. Well. Wow when they get out. So, you know, it's it's like a stay of execution nearly. Yeah. That you ha- you can you can live with a sense of security for that period, mm. but when that person gets out, um the the threat of of yeah. that sort of non-violent uh offense is still there. And because it's not like it's not like old-fashioned stalking where it's physical stalking, it's just for the person who is the stalker it's just their phone is in their hand and it's like, it's so easy to And that's the other thing, it's not binary, right? So mm-hmm. I think what feels like stalking to one person could just feel like trying to be friendly to another. And I think that's where it gets Because there's done. no playbook. There's, well, so yeah, th- but also, there's no rules written about what this looks like. Here's a great example. Prince Harry has re- released his book. Have you seen it? It's called Spare. Yeah. yeah. It's a dreadful name. It's funny. It's really entitled, mm-hmm. right? And it's really, it, lots of young people saying, great name, the air and the spare and all that kind of stuff. It's a really needy title. And I think they're, the two of them are, exp- they're, they're very unsafe and they feel the mental health and they, they're expressing every element of exposure to being that generation and that age, right? So I think it'd be very easy to convince them you're stalking them because they're very sensitive, right? Whereas I think... Some, but they're, they're in a high-risk category as well. No, but I, I'm talking about the kind of people that they are. So what I'm, I'm wondering is, and I'm, I'm saying, obviously, when you're a victim of something, you are a victim of something and you feel that and that's a fact. And I'm, I'm not in any way discounting that, but I'm saying, I'm, I'm sort of saying that sometimes a stalker probably doesn't obviously realise that being, they're being so obsessive and weird. Is that, is that a place even? And that's why it's blurry? Do you know what I mean? I, I, I think, sorry, I think sorry, we're just to be clear, I'm saying that Obviously, the stalker is being a dope, but maybe sometimes they don't realise they're doing it. Do you get me? But, but yes. I don't know if that's necessarily an, uh, a, a, a defensive jail. argument because I think, I think probably if you look at where we are with the internet now, we're holding on to a runaway train. We've no idea what, what has been created and how to manage it and harnessing it, harness it. Um, the big tech giants are basically... They're also holding on. They're not entirely sure what's happening either. It's it's kind of happening nearly despite them, and it's it's almost like we need to sit down and and that's I suppose what um, the what what's being called for in in Europe is this kind of you know restrictions and and what's allowed and what's not allowed. Um, we we don't we haven't created those rules yet, you know. And if you look at say the tech devices like um, the Apple Tag, they're, yeah, like I mean, it's it's That's crazy. So that was originally yeah. designed um, to to be able to 
you know, if you've lost your if you lost your keys or your, or your bike or your yeah. laptop or whatever, that the Apple tag would be on it, and and you'd be able to locate it, locate it through an app or whatever. But there's this rising incidence of people using it to actually track people oh, without yeah. their knowledge because it's only a little device. But, yeah, they could just slip it into your pocket, or if they <laughs> if they target you, or they could 